When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We bring in Frank Macchiarola, Senior Vice President of Policy, Economics, and Regulatory Affairs at the American Petroleum Institute. Uh, Frank, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. A bunch of taxes, a bunch of taxes on this bill, on fossil fuels, rather. 16.4 cents a barrel tax on crude, doubles the current excise tax on coal, a new methane fuel, basically redirects business investment from fossils to green energy by making the latter more profitable and the former more costly. The result will be higher energy prices. Um, What do you think here? There's so much bad in this bill, and um, how much damage will it do to the fossil industry? Thanks for having me on, Larry. Um, Look, this this bill uh, will have significant impacts on oil and gas here in the United States. I mean, first, it's important to note the law was passed strictly along party lines in the House and the Senate, and it comes at a time when the U.S. is in the midst of a recession and the world is facing a significant energy crisis, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen since the 70s. And this legislation will likely make those things worse, not improve them. I mean, Mm. you spoke a little bit about those three provisions. This is a massive tax increase on uh, U.S. oil and gas, uh, and it'll ultimately be borne by the consumer. Um, You know, you have a $300 billion uh, book minimum tax and stock buyback tax. You have an $11.7 billion tax on crude and petroleum products. You have a new methane tax, a natural gas tax, which is about $6.3 billion. And again, these tax increases come at the worst possible time. We ought to be looking to increase supply and lower costs, um, but this bill does the opposite. You know, Frank, we used to have, back in the old days, which was <laughs> 10 or 15, 20 years ago, we had what was known as an all-of-the-above strategy. We wanted to promote all sources of energy fossils and renewables and nuclear and so forth. And now that has given way and been replaced, at least during the Biden years, and you're quite right. This was a party-line vote, a highly partisan vote, so it could be overturned if you get a shift in the House and Senate, which is likely the cavalry is coming. But we've given up on the all the above, and now we're just uh, demonizing fossils. And I don't understand the logic to that, because climate change, you know— We've had a lot of experts on the TV show and here on the radio show. Climate change, these are like 50 to 100-year cycles, for heaven's sakes. Here and now, there's no reason why we couldn't have continued on all of the above uh, energy policy. Why do you think it's worked out this way? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say why it's worked out this way. For decades, uh It's been a bipartisan objective of administrations to become more energy secure, more energy dependent. 
What that meant was to reduce our reliance on foreign sources of energy. In 2019, for the first time in almost 70 years, the U.S. Uh, became a net exporter of energy. Mm. It had tremendous benefits for our economy, for our national security, and also for the environment. Um, the greater use of natural gas here in the United States is the single most significant factor in reducing carbon emissions. So this was a win for the environment. It was a win for our economy and for our national security. And the Biden administration uh, came in and has seemed to want to reverse that progress that we've made, not just on energy security, but also on the environment. It's, it's hard to understand why. You know, Manchin's not going to get his permitting. He thinks he is, but he won't. I mean, they're already seeing people in the House all the progressive far-left people, they're going to vote against a permitting bill. We're not going to go back to NEPA permitting. There are a few, a few oil leases, uh, lease sales may be uh, allowed, Frank, but they're not going to get the permits to be able to work those, le- those uh, land masses. And I, I'm amazed that, you know, they took a vote. All the Democrats in the Senate except Manchin voted against permitting. Uh, you know, that was the vote from the Alaska Center. The point is, there's nothing in this that's promising for fossils. And if you don't get the permits, right, you can't work it. You can't, you can't drill. You can't pipeline. Uh, you can't improve refineries. None of that stuff. Yeah, it's, re- it's really unfortunate, Larry, because if you think about it, it's not the resources that we lack here in the United States. Right. It's the ability to get the resources from where they are to where they're needed for consumers. And key to that is permitting reform. Mm. How do we build that infrastructure here in the United States? Under the previous administration, uh, they tackled NEPA reform to reduce delays in permitting, to reduce uh, the litigation associated with permitting, to make sure that permitting infrastructure projects was a priority. Uh, From day one, this administration has taken a different course. They shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, You see the FERC uh, creating a Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, creating barriers to more natural gas infrastructure. Infrastructure was essential to the shale revolution that we had in the United States. And this administration simply has not prioritized it. In, In terms of what Congress is doing, look, This was a pillar of the agreement between Senator Manchin and Senator Schumer. And now Congress is off in recess and we don't have permitting reform uh, moving through either house. So it's really a disappointing uh, circumstance here. I mean, the greenies in Europe are smarter than the greenies here in the U.S. The greenies in Europe have said that gas is green, which it is basically. Well, and and you look at Europe, Europe should be a cautionary tale to the United States, right? The transition that they made was too quick, and what ended up happening was our allies in Europe became over-reliant on Putin's natural gas, and the results are uh, not just uh, national security challenges for those countries, but you see skyrocketing costs of natural gas. Um, Here in the United States, Uh, Permitting reform and infrastructure have been critical to getting, uh, you know, the the resources that we have uh, in the Marcellus Shale to to the consumer. The United States has 100 years worth of natural gas. We ought to be doing everything possible 
to be able to tap into that strategic asset that we have. What's uh, uh, Frank Macchiarella, what's the outlook for gasoline prices now? And is there a shortage? Is there a looming shortage in gasoline supplies because of the refinery problems and so forth? Refinery capacity has been a challenge, really, you know, as a result. Uh, it's a long-term challenge, but it was also exacerbated by COVID. We saw significant decline in demand during COVID from 100 million barrels per day globally down to 80 million barrels per day. That really disrupted the markets. Um, it is an issue. Uh, there's, there's no question about it. Um, in terms of prices, look, we, we have a supply and demand imbalance. And so the administration is touting a couple of months of lower prices, but we still face a significant energy crisis. Um, and, you know, an economic slowdown is not the answer uh, to gas prices. The, the answer to uh, providing affordable and reliable energy for the consumer is more supply. Mm. And the way that we do that is by incentivizing more production on federal lands and waters, which is the direct opposite of what the administration's done, building out pipelines so we can get that product to where it's needed. Uh, you know, at API, we introduced a, a plan uh, to help provide relief called the 10 and 22. Uh, the, the, really, the structure of that plan was providing more supply, providing greater infrastructure, providing regulatory relief, um, we think that's the direction that Congress and this administration should take. And the last thought is um, nuclear power. Nuclear power is, be, is sort of the stepchild of renewables. Now, I, I know API is not directly involved, but nuclear power, nobody wants to do nukes. Nukes would be helpful in this story, would they not? I mean, there's no global warming problem with nuclear power, but the greenies don't like nuclear power. Yeah, Larry, to your point, we, we need an all-of-the-above strategy in this yes. country. We shouldn't pick winners and losers. We shouldn't uh, discard the fuels and the resources we have in the United States. If we're going to tackle this challenge, if we're going to provide affordable and reliable energy for the American consumer, if we're going to use our energy resources as a national security asset, then we need to tap into all of it. Uh, and we need to break down the barriers that have been uh, put up by, by Congress, by regulators. Uh, and we really need a, an energy policy that incentivizes more U.S. production. All right. Frank Macchiarella, Senior VP of Policy for the American Petroleum Institute. Thanks for the rundown, Frank. We appreciate it.